It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today is Mock Draft Monday, so we'll get there later on in the podcast. But before then, a little bit of coaching change news, both for the Bengals and elsewhere in the NFL today. And one name in particular that could be interesting for the Bengals if they want to make some changes on the coaching staff. And along with that, an announcement from Alabama quarterback Tua Tungo Viola regarding his draft status. Today, Tua Tungo Viola, the Alabama quarterback, held a press conference along with Nick Saban to announce that he will be entering the NFL draft. This will create a little bit of a stir at the top of the draft order. Tua has long been linked to the Miami Dolphins. His broken hip has taken him out of consideration for most draft analysts for the number one pick in Cincinnati. But if he does get healthy before the combine, does any sort of workout at all before the draft? There will be some interest, and the Bengals at least need to weigh this option. And waiting on health for Tua is the key. It should lock him into a top 10 selection if he is healthy by the time the draft comes, if he can work out, as you said. If he was healthy throughout this entire season and didn't have the previous ankle injury and then the hip surgery, we'd probably at least have a discussion about him going number one to the Bengals. If you remember at the beginning of the year, before Joe Burrow was actually in the conversation, it was all about Tua Tungvaloa. But Burrow outplayed him as the season went on. I think it would still lean towards Burrow. But if Tua was healthy, we'd at least have a discussion. It's a conversation that could be worth having anyway because the track record for Tunga Viola before his injury is immaculate. He has an incredibly high ceiling. But as you said, Joe, Joe Burrow played lights out all year, has shown growth for the entirety of the season, has really put together a complete now coming up on 14 games of tape, done things that are unprecedented at the college level. It's very hard to move the Bengals off of Joe Burrow with that number one pick based on what we know right now. In coaching news, there has been a bit of a shuffle in the NFL ranks in general and for the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll start out west where the Los Angeles Rams relieved Wade Phillips of his defensive coordinator duties. Meanwhile, Dallas hires Mike McCarthy to be their head coach, passing on Marvin Lewis, who demanded that Hugh Jackson be his offensive coordinator if he were to be offered the job. So Marvin and Hugh still on the open market. But the Bengals lose one of their assistant coaches to the college ranks as Tem Lukabu goes to Boston College to be the defensive coordinator after one year coaching the linebackers in Cincinnati. 
The linebackers played well in the second half of the year. We saw Jermaine Pratt's development. We saw Nick Vigil rebound and had maybe the best stretch of his career, who will be a free agent also for Nick Vigil. Without Tem Lukabu, they're going to have to find out who's going to coach linebackers. We should probably hear an announcement on that very soon, as I'm sure they'd like to have a guy in there before they go coach senior bowl squad. I assume they're going to look at linebackers heavily again this draft. I would bet you'd want your coach there to get that firsthand experience. If there are any coaching changes coming for the Bengals outside of the linebacking coach position, this would be the week that we would expect to see it as we see dominoes falling around the league. Wade Phillips is one name that will surely attract a lot of attention. And if the Bengals wanted to make a large change on the defensive side of the ball, they could certainly look at Wade Phillips, who is connected to Zach Taylor. They coached together in Los Angeles for a couple of years before Zach Taylor came to Cincinnati. So that is something to watch. Wade Phillips certainly is likely to get work in the NFL if he wants to continue coaching and has been the author of several quick defensive turnarounds in his tenure. So the Bengals have a linebacking coach vacancy to fill for now, and we'll see if any other coaching changes follow for the Bengals this week as they get their staff into shape to go down to Mobile and coach in the Senior Bowl. Springtime around here means we are focused on the NFL draft. And we've got Mock Draft Monday coming up 2.0 this time this week. But uh, we want to tell you about how you can go see the Cincinnati Reds down in the spring training in Arizona for the Cactus League. And let us tell you about Arizona. Not only does it have amazing weather and landscapes, it has exciting outdoor adventures, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home for baseball fans. Yeah, and football season's over and we're focused on the drafts. You can still listen to us on the Lockdown Bengals podcast when you're down in Arizona. There are 10 stadiums, 15 teams within 50 miles of the greater Phoenix area if you head down for the baseball. But if you don't go for the baseball, go for the weather, go for the beer, go for the food, go for the music, anything that you could possibly want to do. Spring in Arizona is where you want to be. Maybe you're an adrenaline junkie, right? You want to get up in the sky, jump out of a plane, do some jet skiing. Maybe you want to go see Horseshoe Bender, the Grand Canyon, all that in Arizona. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Mock Draft Monday is back. And while there may not be much to do with the number one pick in terms of how we're going to approach this this season... I think a couple times we will explore every other option, and maybe that's Chase Young, maybe it's Tua Tungvaloa, maybe that means we trade back, and I don't know, I, at that point, it opens up some options. Let's, maybe we can see what, what type of haul we get, or offers we get with the number one pick, which I wonder if these simulators even give up enough. You know, we've never been in that, in that situation, Jake, where we can see how these mock draft machines work in terms of offering you uh, value for that first pick, but... As we sit here now and do this, we've already 
Again, we don't have to wait for any anyone else to pick. The Bengals are on the clock, number one, and we know who we're going to take here again, right, Jake? I know it's going to be Joe Burrow 99% of the time we do this exercise. Yeah, there will be days that we talk about the other guys for sure and the merits of picking a Chase Young, or if Tua gets out there and does a workout, we're going to do a mock draft Monday right after Tua does that workout, and we're going to say, oh, we, we're going to take Tua this week right. because we're all talking about Tua, and we're going to talk about how that might look. But for most of these, the writing is on the wall right now. It's going to be Joe Burrow unless something crazy happens. That is the sense from national writers. That's the sense from Joe and I. And I tweeted today after Tua announced that he was going to be entering the draft that that's going to make me go back and reconsider again. Who's my real QB1 for this draft? Because before this year and even midway through this year, it was still Tua for me. And then he broke his hip and everything changes and it's just the decision is made for you. But it's easy to forget with our little love affair with Joe Burrow as a prospect that Tua Tagovailoa was really unrivaled. And he was the guy that we were looking at coming into this year that if the Bengals need a quarterback, Tua was going to be the guy. And that was the guy that we were all thinking about, not Joe Burrow. And now Joe Burrow's had the season he's had. But it's just worth mentioning, Tua Tungavaiola is still a very special prospect. He's almost two years younger than Joe Burrow, but he might miss some time for an injury. So not going to get into it too much today. It's just worth talking about Tua a little bit because he was in front of the media today and he declared for the NFL draft officially, signed with an agent. He's in. Yeah, and like you said, two years younger. You kind of have to think about that in today's NFL of – you're not just drafting the guy that's better now, right? You're not drafting the guy you feel is the safest bet. If, when we come back three years from now, it doesn't matter that the one guy was safer or not. It matters who's the better player in three years, in four years, five years. That could very well be Tua. I don't think that's crazy to think if Tua was better in the year 2024 because I, I like Tua a lot as a prospect. If he's healthy, then he goes top three easy. So for me, uh, I still am going to take Joe Burrow here for the safeness due to, due to health. But because of this film right here and the, the production this season is so off the charts crazy that I, you can argue Tua has never even sustained this. No one's ever sustained this level for this long, actually. I was going to say Tua hasn't done it, but <laughs> no one. No one's ever sustained this against this type of schedule for 14 games. And we've got the championship game still to come. But point being is it's just flat out insane, especially when you dive into some of the metrics for Joe Burrow. Yeah, we have a couple stats that we'll share with you today as we are certainly taking Joe Burrow here with the first pick in this mock draft simulator. Again, we're on the draft network today, so you can go check out their mock draft machine. I'm clicking the button for Joe Burrow, and while the first draft, first round of the draft, I should say, runs, we've got a couple new stats that we heard about from PFF today where, again, Joe Burrow is just head and shoulders ahead of the competition. The first one comes from PFF underscore Anthony. That's Anthony Tresh. He is the guy that did that long piece a month or two ago on how Joe Burrow was so good this year and how the LSU offense changed. Really good piece. If you haven't read it, definitely go check it out. He has today the stat of most touchdowns for any college quarterback thrown into a tight window. Joe Burrow is first in the NFL at 24. College football, you mean? Yeah, sorry. College football at 24. I'm jumping the gun a little bit there on, on the yeah. NFL. <laughs> what do you think? What would you think without looking would be the second? I know you can see it right now, 
but the people listening can't see it. So if you just saw like, okay, somebody's at 24 for tight window touchdowns, you know that there are quarterbacks in college football that have thrown, you know, 40 to 50 touchdowns in a year. Mm -hmm. Nobody's close. The second guys are two guys I haven't heard of, by the way. I guess other people have. These are freshmen. Okay, is that okay? That makes a lot of sense. At least but one of them is Sam Howell, fourteen, and Jamie Newman, fourteen. So a full ten fewer tight window touchdowns than Joe Burrow. Now, what does this tell us, Jake? I think for me, there's two ways to look at this. He's willing to throw into tight windows, the accuracy, anticipation, and for the one thing people have a lot of concern with, or some, I should say, the arm strength. Not an issue. If you can throw and make tight window throws, and he's got 24 touchdowns on that, uh, and your arm is just average, well, his arm may be a little bit better than some people think. So I like that stat. And someone asked me today, does, could this point as a sign of him regressing back or having more turnovers in the NFL if he plays with this way? Sure, it could. It'll, it, it could be part of the adjustment going to the next level. But if you look at his interception-worthy passes, which is not a stat we're going to talk about today, he is not putting the ball in danger very often. And his interception number of, what is it, five? Seven? I don't remember what it is right now. It's a small Six, number. I think he is. Okay. Yeah. Split the difference. Yep. That is relatively reflective of the turnover-worthy passes he's thrown this year. He has not been particularly lucky or unlucky. And who was it, Joe, that did a breakdown of all of his interceptions uh, partnership with Matt Waldman. Oh, um, Mark Schofield, who's Mark fantastic. Schofield. Yeah, Follow so him on Twitter and find his YouTube page. He's got a couple breakdowns of Joe Burrow that you'll just love. And he breaks down all of his interceptions this year. And he, he I think, assigns blame to Burrow on two out of the yep. six. And others and, were, you know, tipped passes, hit his throne, uh, not things that you, he was ready to blame the quarterback for. And Mark's process is very similar to mine. I look for trends when I watch players. So if they keep making the same mistake or keep winning in the same way, you know that for sure. That's a strength and weakness, right, relative to what the, the issue is. For Mark, he says at six interceptions, none of them are repeats or none of them display the right. same issue over and over. Right. So I don't – you know, you really can't say what the issue is with Joe Burrow in terms of why the turnovers. They just – they happen sometimes. Six he, turnovers. He doesn't go into the other balls that maybe should have been – picked sure. and that's something that other people will keep track of but still it's a really good video to look at the consistency the not repeating mistakes those are things that you like to see so i've got a new stat also from pff college pff underscore college and this is the highest percentage of attempts from quarterbacks resulting in an incompletion that were the fault of the quarterback so jordan love leads the the draft prospects here 17.3 percent of his throws were or if it, of his incompletions were his fault 17%. Justin Herbert 15%. Jake Fromm 15%. Jacob Eason 14.5%. Tua 12%. Now we're getting really good. Uh Jalen Hurts 11% of his incompletions were his fault. Where would you say Joe Burrow would land on this? Jake well, if it know. was if it was anybody else you would think oh, you know, somewhere around 9% sure, would be right incredible there. and would would lead the pack, but he's even better than that, isn't he? Six percent, only six percent of his incompletions are his fault. That's insanely low. And I actually read this stat differently than you do. I think this is percentage of all passes that ah. has been incomplete, and they've blamed the quarterback. So six percent of all of Joe Burrow's passes are his fault that they're incomplete. Now he has twelve percent incomplete passes, so half of his twelve percent are his fault. But 
I mean, you're talking about 6%. That's incredible. The next best, like you said, Jalen Hurts and Tua at 11 and 12%. Yeah. That's double. That's tr- twice. And, and those two are very good. Right. Yeah, that's two. two well, I, I think every week, every every other day, I'm seeing more analytics or stats that come up that really just support Joe Burrow as being a complete every freak week. of a senior season. So we just wanted to throw these two out as we make the pick before we look back at who else was drafted in the first round, because we're doing three rounds today. So we're going to recap this first round. And then before we move on to uh, day two of the draft, it's, it's just, it's just worth noting that every new advanced stat we hear about for Joe Burrow, no matter what the source is, if it's PFF, if it's whoever, anybody doing the next level analytics stuff has Joe Burrow at the top of the leaderboard across the board. And he's a weapon with his legs. So it's just, it's just impressive, right? You expect there to be mm-hmm. somebody that's trying to tear a guy down, especially at this point. Like, we're full on into the draft season at this point. I'm waiting for the Joe Burrow detractors to really come out and say, you know what, he's 23, or his arm isn't going to play. And you just you don't see it because he's just proven doubters wrong again and again. So let's take a look at the rest of the first round here, Joe. What stands out to you in the top 10? Well, Chase Young to the Redskins, of course. I think then number three, Jeffrey Okuda to the Lions. I Actually, watching the last Ohio State game, I thought to myself, man, Okuda is just around the ball making more plays than Chase Young was down the stretch. Young kind of disappeared a bit. I think both are tremendous prospects, and seeing them go two and three from Ohio State is tremendous. I wonder if they've – or when the last time they had that was. Probably, uh, probably had to be – Joey Bosa? No, Nick Bosa. and Or was it Joey Bosa? Yeah, it was Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott was the same draft, I think. That probably had to be last time. Anyways, Tua Tungvaloa goes number five to the Dolphins, which I think makes a lot of sense, and I'd actually love to see that and love to root for him there. Uh, first offensive lineman off the board is Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, number four to the Giants. What do you, what do you see, Jake? I see three Alabama players. You talk about the two Ohio State uh-huh. guys back-to-back. You got Alabama Tua at five. Jedrick Wills at eight to the Cardinals, three tackles as well, picked in the yeah. top 10. And Jerry Judy at nine, the first wide receiver off the board. And then there's a little bit of a run on receivers. The other guys that are seen as elite, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs go 11 and 13. You see your next quarterback, Justin Herbert at 14. And Another Alabama. So that's four Alabama in the top 15, three LSU in the top 15. That's right. And then a couple more Alabama guys at 1920. Hmm. Or sorry, 2021, Xavier McKinney, Trayvon Diggs. And rounding out the first round, for the second week in a row, we see Kenneth Murray going at the end of the first round. And I think he's only going to go up as the draft process continues. My guy, Jordan Reed, on on Twitter uh, had Kenneth Murray, I think, going 19th in his last mock draft. Mm -hmm. Or that may have been a ranking. Either way. Uh, don't be surprised, and we talked about that possibility that either he tests tremendously and he's just not there for us at the top of round two. The top two interior offensive line prospects that many Bengals fans might be looking at are also gone at the end of the first round, and that's Tyler Beattas going mm. 28 to Seattle. I think that's far too conventional for a Seattle first-round pick, personally. Right. I think that they are going to do something that we don't expect, and Creed Humphrey at 24 to the Saints. But we have two more rounds to get to, And we're going to get into that here in just a minute. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Day two of Mock Draft Monday. I think this is the first time we will feel, not definitely it is, first time we'll feel which underclassmen have declared for the NFL draft or decided to go back. And I think we're already looking at the top of the board in round two. We can see a few players that weren't there. Last week we took Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama within two days. I think he declared that he would be going back to Bama for another season after playing guard and tackle for them. So quickly our mock draft was thrown out. And I think we see it now. We're looking at Draft Network's big board and who's at the top of their board. Two running backs. Not that we're that interested in that position, but J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne. I would love to have either of them, especially Etienne. I feel like, you know, if you're not going to pay Joe Mixon or if you're worried about that, you draft one of those guys. And again, Bengals keep the second round running back train rolling. I don't think that's the right option. But what we are ending up with is like T. Higgins from Clemson wide receiver or Jalen Rager from TCU wide receiver. We're ending up in a situation where it's not clearly offensive line as we originally suspected where it would be a few offensive linemen there available or just screaming at them in the face that we're the best player available. That didn't happen in, in today's mock draft. Uh, the best offensive lineman that, based on the Draft Network's board is Mekhi Becton from Louisville, who I'd be completely fine with also. Big mauling uh, offensive lineman to pair with Jonah Williams makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Jake, where are you looking at? I was looking at Mekhi Becton's name. You also have to look at the other guys available on the offensive line. Prince Tega Wanogu from Auburn. Austin Jackson, who is a bit of a risk, an injury risk from USC. Those are the other guys there on the offensive line. I'm looking at these edge guys, though. Julian Aquara from Notre Dame was PFF's number 22 on their top 100 just mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago or maybe a month ago now. And Curtis Weaver from Boise State, incredibly productive, given a little bit of a lower level of competition in the Mountain West, but very, very good. One of the most productive pass rushers in college football this year. We'll have to get into the tape on him to see if he has the pass rush moves that translate to the next level. But I'm also looking at those wide receivers. You mentioned T Higgins is a guy last week when you were like, okay, so would you rather have X player? And I said, well, I'd rather have T Higgins here. And now we're staring in the face at T Higgins at the top of the second round. And it's just very hard for me to pass him up. I know what you mean. And thinking of the receiver situation, it, this is going to change a lot depending on what happens with, green and maybe the commitment to Ross but yeah Jay Higgins they could use a receiver look how many times this year they went out there with guys that run four six and slower for half the season you felt like and uh I wouldn't be against that at all I I still think I would push towards the offensive line I think Mekhi Becton is a good player I think he would be a nice big run blocker I think Jim Turner would actually like the way he plays in his size so uh, I'm there, but one thing we I think a lot of people are probably wondering, well, who's there at linebacker? Nobody. Again, no, it's exactly as we ex- suspected. Uh, this second-round linebacker, maybe it'll change when the combine rolls around and we get some guys that just light it up to where we're not targeting them in the third, fourth round, and now we have to consider them at 33, but as of right now, it's just not even a consideration. 
The other names to consider here at cornerback. So if the Bengals don't retain yeah. Darquez Denard, we're looking at this position a little bit more heavily than we are really talking about right now before we know what happens in free agency. But there are some good options available at corner, including Jeff Gladney from TCU, who's gotten his hands on a ton of balls. PFF had him at something like 24 pass breakups in the last two seasons, and that wasn't even including everything in the 2019 season. And A.J. Terrell from Clemson, who's given up only 11 catches in 10 games this season. That's crazy. Long corner. So a couple of guys there to consider at corner. So, Joe, which way are we going? Your pick. My pick, huh? No, I think I picked Joe Burrow, so it's your pick. I don't think you picked Joe Burrow. (laughs) I was wanting to see what you say there. That's ridiculous. Uh, That's ridiculous. I actually like the corner from Clemson. I wouldn't be against that. A.J. Terrell, I I think, you know, length and – and obviously not giving up many catches is, is intriguing. I think Jeff Gladney's intriguing also from TCU. The thing that gets me is Paul Denner did a piece on the 63 or four or five guys on the roster, including practice squad. And he wrote for next to William Jackson that Jackson has been disinterested and the Bengals kind of need to know if they're going to give him a, an extension. And just that kind of, you know, uh, non-committal writing that Denner put down there was kind of a wake up to me that maybe they don't see him as that number one kind of guy. Maybe they're not going to give him that money. And with dark Nard being a free agent with Drake or Patrick, maybe being out or traded, they need a corner. And I think it's, I mean, it's been enough years now where you can spend a premium pick on corner again. And this is a guy that is in the top 30 on PFF's board from what I recall. So AJ Terrell from Clemson and Clemson corners have been pretty good in the NFL. They've had a really good defense. I mean, they do a lot of different things. He should come in pretty game ready. We say that about like Bama players, but Clemson players uh, come in pretty well too. So are we pulling the trigger on A.J. Terrell from Clemson? Sure, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. We'll go defense, we'll go corner. And in previous iterations of mocks I've done, I have not gone corner once in this spot. I think every time it's been a falling linebacker, occasionally a wide receiver that I really like. And T. Higgins is a guy that I really would consider there or an offensive lineman. So let's take a look at what else happened in the second round here, Joe. What do you see? Jordan Love goes to the Colts in round two, which I think is a fantastic situation. I really love the idea of of that. The other guy we consider, Jeff Gladney, cornerback, went to the San Diego, no, the LA Chargers, excuse me there. Uh, A couple other guys that stand out for us is uh, the Prince Tiga Wanaago, Offensive tackle and Jacob Eason to the Bears, which, whoa, that's fun to maybe supplant Mitch Trubisky. At least that's some competition, a developmental guy if they want to give Trubisky one more year. T. Higgins makes it all the way to 53. Josh Jones, a tackle from Houston, who I was certainly hoping would make it to us at the top of round three, goes a pick 56 to the Miami Dolphins. And now we're back on the clock, Joe, at 65. Let's take a look at who's available. I think when we're looking at this, going quarterback, going corner, I still want to get an offensive lineman. I'd love to get a linebacker still. This is this is the final of your premium picks. It'd be really nice to trade down from 33 and collect an extra third-round pick. Obviously, we didn't, we didn't do that this time. But uh, when you look at the board, man, again, these running backs are at the top of the board and are just – they're intriguing to me. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if you could tell me I can get him in the third round, not that I want Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts is still here in the third round. There's a couple other guys that I, I just think 
that's not the direction we're going to go, but it's going to make it at least intriguing. Not saying Hurts is that at all, but Travis Etienne is still here for us. If I was playing this more honestly, I would just take him. But Or maybe the honest side is saying he's not going to be there, so yeah. don't take him. Right? And, and maybe he runs a 4-6 or gets hurt or something happens. That's why he's still here. We can come up with scenarios. But I think I'd like to look at somebody I, I could probably rise up the board with a good combine and fill that gap between the first-round linebackers and the third-round linebackers. And I think that's Troy Dye from Oregon, and he's still available here. I think Troy Dye is kind of the slam dunk pick for us at this point. He's easily our top linebacker available that we know of so far he's not the top linebacker on the draft networks board worth pointing that out they've got monty rice the linebacker from georgia and malik harrison the linebacker from ohio state both ranked ahead of troy die who for many bengals fans has been on the radar as a third round prospect for quite some time there's some tight ends available a lot of tight ends and running backs generally speaking at the top of the tdm board Antoine Winfield Jr., who is absolutely vaulted up boards late this season, is mm-hmm. available at safety. He's their 69th ranked prospect. But looking at what's here, not finding the value at offensive line, you'd have to convince me to move off Troy Die. I know. And if we draft Troy Die here, this is obviously doing it without having the idea of free agency. And we'll do that one of these times. Or maybe we'll. A few times, right? Yeah. Well, maybe because we only have until March and we only have another month and a half to do a free agent, mock free agency, and then go do a draft right afterwards so that we have a better idea of what we can and can't do coming up. Because if we go three rounds without drafting an offensive lineman again, I would have hoped they would have went out early in free agency and signed a starting offensive lineman. That means that they've spent $15 million on Jack Conklin or something sure. like that. That's the only way you really allow yourself into this position. It also means you probably haven't really addressed linebacker. Going to have a new linebackers coach. Let's give him an athletic guy, Troy Dye, to work with in the third round. Yep. So now I think Troy Dye and Jermaine Pratt, two athletic guys, young guys, both third-round picks, but maybe they can develop together without either one really being that that you know number one a plus type just right off the bat maybe maybe hopefully one of them develops into that role or not um i think in all looking at the first round makes a lot of sense where some of these guys go we see the running backs start to go off the board we see the tight ends we see uh more of the receivers such a great class like donovan peoples jones from michigan still available in the third round some people like him as a second round guy uh yeah devin duvernay out of texas still there in the third round I think we're going to have to find out about these offensive linemen, and we will. This was the same thing last year around this time, if you remember, where it was kind of, let's go to the Senior Bowl. A couple guys stand out, like Caleb McGarry from Washington, ends up going in the first round. Um, Garrett Bradbury ends up going in the first round. These are guys that, until I went to the Senior Bowl, I was I, I were unaware of them. And then they played or practiced really well and then played well, and I said, okay, those are guys that we should start targeting. And then they ended up going a little bit too early. That's right. So the total haul for the Bengals then, we've got Joe Burrow in the first round. That is not going to be a different player very many times. We'll keep it fresh for you by giving you new Joe Burrow tidbits every time we pick him first overall. We've got A.J. Terrell, the cornerback from Clemson at 33. Another guy in the long ball skills athlete mold. Clemson, again, has produced some really good corners. I would be pretty excited, actually, if they get one of these guys 
one of these corners falling into the second round if they can't get uh, an offensive lineman in that spot that has value meeting need. And then Troy Dye in the third round. So you are addressing three needs with good value at all three, all three spots with maybe an argument if we get to know these linebackers a little bit better that Troy Dye might be a reach at the top of the third round. We really don't know yet. But anytime you can bet on that kind of athleticism and development, it's probably a chance worth taking. Yeah, I agree on that. So I'm happy with this. I would love an idea of a draft where they go all offense for the first three rounds, but I can also see this with the way the defense has been going quarterback and then coming back and securing the defense. Yeah, looking at the second round here, we could have, instead of A.J. Terrell, gone for a different Clemson player and picked that wide receiver T. Higgins that I was after. We could have gone for an interior offensive lineman with Natane Muti, or we could have gone with Prince Tego Winogo in the second round as well. So there are some options at wide receiver. There are some options at edge we talked about. There are some options on the offensive line. And then in the third round, say you go without wide receiver, maybe at this point you're coming back and looking at a defensive back, Antoine Winfield there. Maybe you're looking harder at an offensive lineman and you're just taking whoever the best player available is. But as it is, got ourselves a quarterback and some players to solidify the defense. And I kind of, the more I look at it, I'm thinking I really would like to get some other playmakers, but this scenario has to assume that AJ green is, is coming back. I think right. is, is the way that it happens this way. Yeah. At the very least they franchise him. I mean, cause in with the wide receiver class, this is, if you go in the fourth, fifth round, you can still draft a guy yeah. that can come in and contribute at the very least. Um, some of my favorite receivers in the draft or in the, uh, in the NFL today were day three picks, so it can happen. One of the best linebackers in football this year was a sixth-round pick, and he is a guy out in Denver whose name I can't even recall right now. Good one. But they've had a couple players, Denver has, they've hit on late rounders on the defensive side of the ball. And I just say this because we were talking about Troy Dye as a third-round linebacker. You can't find guys that can be number one linebackers later in the draft even if they don't have the pedigree of either the Devons last year or Isaiah Simmons this year. It's kind of funny how the premium positions go, go early, right? They get drafted early and they're kind of more of a crapshoot because of it, because they get pushed up a little bit, but then the the lesser value positions, the running back, the tight end, the linebackers, the offensive line, especially interior line, you can find some gems third round and later. Yeah, you definitely can. And we'll find them as the off season wears on, we're going to play around with the idea of free agency Friday and see how that goes with the fan speak simulator. We'll get some exposure to different free agents that way. As the off season wears on free agency is coming just a couple months away. We've got more playoff football ahead of us and we've got a mailbag Wednesday coming up soon until then Bengals fans have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.